0: Let's go. It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday show. Can't wait. Can't Can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend baby. on 97.5 1280 the Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: For Brown straight back and is picked off. It's Lloyd headed for the end zone. Pick six, Devin Lloyd rising with pressure, closing in, delivers a strike across the middle. Dalton Kincaid and the tight ends dominant on that drive as the Utes stretch it to a three touchdown lead. He's got the football and he walks in, and the Utes. Razor sharp with the opening possession. They get 61 yards. First and goal here now. And Thomas barrels in. The trick Pledger, check it. And a touchdown for Utah. He got the short field. The big run by the quarterback sets up a touchdown run. And there's some tempers after the play. Long outlet pass stolen by O'Neal. O'Neal attacking, lobbing to Rudy who dunks it. Donovan driving on Edwards. Into the lane, underhand scoop, reach in, foul, Donovan finishes! Donovan took it on the left side, brought the dribble low, worked to the middle, got the fouls, brought it from his shoe, tops up to his belt, released it from six feet out and in. Donovan, off the bounce three this time, perfect again, he holds the pose again. Donovan Mitchell is 6 of 8 from 3 tonight. He's got 25 points. Beverly driving, ball faking, stepping through. Swatted by Rudy. Don't talk about me. Fast break. Donovan to the window. Lays it up and in. Patrick Beverly, you take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. Because Rudy Gobert just rejected that.
2: Welcome into the Saturday show. That's a great call. By the way. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well out there. Happy New Year to you all. I'm Jay Catch. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. A uh, little bit of a different format today because we slotted the show back an hour. We're typically on from 10 to noon here locally, but it's Rose Bowl day. So we moved it back an hour. We'll have Rose Bowl pregame coverage coming up at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. And that'll lead up for two hours into kickoff ahead of Utah's first ever Rose Bowl against Ohio state looking forward to that Uh, you can call us if you want the pre -pre pregame show today on the Saturday show Jay catch along for ride. Eric Jensen our producer behind the glass Eric how was your new year
3: was good I uh, got tickets to this jazz game last night so that was fun went to go see the jazz play and then uh, went home had an early new year drank my Martinelli's and uh, went to bed all right there you go George like the YouTube countdown to celebrate the right way no,
2: I did not. That's what I did with my kids. Like, halftime of the jazz game last night, Netflix has it, too. You can look up, like, uh, it's a New Year's celebration. It's a countdown. We did it, like, Got it. 8.30 when the jazz, jazz are at halftime. I was like, you want to put the kids to bed? I'm like, yeah, let's put the kids to bed. So we turned that on, let them celebrate a little bit, and then off to bed with the kids. So... It was fun. Uh, good, good New Year's, obviously. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, cold New Year's Day here in Utah. It is frigid out there, so hope you all are doing great, and thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday show. As you heard in the open, a lot to talk about on both the Utah and also the Utah Jazz front. Uh, very interesting uh, performance, I felt like, from the Jazz last night, but they win yet again. Absolutely rolling right now, but today they host the Golden State Warriors in Salt Lake City. Uh, The kickoff to a very critical and a very tough month, if you look at the schedule for the Jazz, we'll talk about that ahead on today's show. We're also going to be joined by two uh, great guests, guys that I have gotten to know doing the podcast thing that I like to do, and that is uh, Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes, covering Ohio State football, and also an old friend of ours. Eric will be very excited about this. Brian Brown from Lockdown Utes will also be joining us. He is actually in California for the Rose Bowl. Excited to catch up with him, see what the vibe is down there in the greater LA and Pasadena area and get his thoughts. Those guys will be coming up on today's show. We'll also get to some of our, all our staples here on the Saturday show. New year, not changing a lot. We'll keep up with technical fouls, five minutes of. So we'll have a lot of fun. Eric always has something cooked up, it seems like, at the end of each show to roast somebody. And I'm the only host mainly now, so it's probably just me that he's going to be roasting. Yeah, probably just you. (laughs) All right, well, we'll have some fun, all the same. So uh, first things first, want to remind you guys, our title sponsor here on the Saturday shows are friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, Eric, uh, you know how we do. We kick off the show with what's the big deal? So fire away, my friend. Do you know who I am?
4: No, I, I can't say that I do
2: i don't know how to put this but
0: i'm kind of a big deal i'm very important uh, i have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany
2: <laughs> i still love that open like, it just makes me chuckle every single time anchorman is one of the more quotable movies out there i feel like there's so many instances that you can quote that movie in and That right there is one of the all-time classics. All right, Eric, let's kick things off and talk a little Utah football. They're playing in the Rose Bowl today. You are a student at the University of Utah, so I wanted to throw this at you to kick things off. What are your feelings on today? Just a broad-based question.
3: Fire away. Well, I feel like it's going to be a fun day, and it would be disappointing if they lost. It'd be pretty disappointing if they lost, considering Ohio State has had a lot of players opt out. Mm-hmm. But also, it's just kind of icing on the top of a cake. Like, you won the Pac-12. That was the big goal. That was something that was very much kind of a blotch on the resume of the program, was the fact that they had never won the Pac-12, and now they won the Pac-12, and they are here in the Rose Bowl. It's just icing on top, but it's a it's going to be a fun day, and uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to have the Rose Bowl and the opportunity to watch a team that you know I I go to school there, and I'm I'm excited to play it. You know they've had this promo playing all week with with PK saying like the amount of pride that people are going to feel when they see people take that. That, that field is is going to be unparalleled, and I have to agree. I'm very proud to be from the state of Utah, and going to Utah, it's a, it's a very, very happy day, and whatever happens today, it'll be cool to say, you know, my team played in the Rose Bowl.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing about that is P.K.'s dead on about that because P.K. speaks to it from experience. He's an Arizona State alum, and I know people like to make fun of him for all his bluster about being a Sun Devil and all that stuff, but he has been to multiple Rose Bowls watching his Sun Devils play, and this is a game that I have watched my entire life, and I love watching it this time of year because it's a cold, frigid day here in Utah today. I think it was single digits overnight here along the Wasatch Front. It's going to be another cold night tonight, but... It's a cold day, snow on the ground here in Utah, but then you watch the Rose Bowl, and just without fail, it seems like the weather is just stellar. It's in the Today's supposed to be in the 60s, I think. It's sunny. That sun is just peeking over the San Gabriel Mountains down there in Southern California. It's one of the funnest days of the year, and it's a game that I have watched, I think, literally every year since I was a very, very young child. I love this, and the fact that Utah's playing in this game makes it all the more fun and I I look forward to it and I I, you as a a University of Utah student a guy who's working in sports media I'm sure there's just yeah you said a lot of pride watching this team do their thing
3: yeah and I mean I I, you know it, it is tough you know sometimes doing this and and being there too because I'm a little bit divorced from the whole Fandom aspect of it, I like to stay pretty even keel on on Utah. I'm not super big into getting really emotional about sure. college football the way you know a lot of people do, and that that's fine. But it's just not something that you know I I put being you know working in in the area. I I I try to keep more even keel about things. But it is exciting to have a team, especially. From the state of Utah, that's one thing I love is when the state of Utah is represented on a national level, and it's it's just really cool to have a program here playing in a big New Year's Six bowl. Yeah,
2: so the game today, Ohio State is still technically a four-point favorite according to most of the odds makers out there, and if you go by ESPN's matchup predictor, they actually have Ohio State as a sixty-eight point two percent chance of winning this game according to the ESPN Football Power Index. I, I, I don't. Yeah, let me be frank right up front. I don't get that. I know that Ohio State has the reputation, and it's Ohio State. Okay, Utah, after a very stumbling, bumbling one and two start went on an absolutely stellar run through the Pac-12. I am a big proponent and a big believer when it comes to bowl games, especially bowl games of this magnitude. We saw last night the college football playoff, and we need to talk about those duds of a game uh, a little later on in today's show, but I'm a big believer in bowl games of this magnitude and just bowl games in general. The more motivated team I feel like has a decided advantage in this, and we all know with the opt-outs, Chris Olave, a couple of guys, uh, who is it, Nicholas P- Petit Ferrer Fer- Petit Ferrer the left tackle I think so and Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson also wide receiver and then also Haskell Garrett uh, who is a very 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 good defensive tackle actually funny enough he is the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame player of the year wow so good they, for him I know so I, 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 I learned that last night reading up on him but uh, so those four players opting out scream to me that Ohio State's looking at this game is okay meanwhile Utah you're right we all have a sense of pride as Utah's when teams from this state represent us on the biggest stages. Think of the If you're old enough, think of the Utah Jazz when they played in the back-to-back NBA Finals in 97 and 98. Think of BYU if we want to go all the way back to Cotton Bowl in 1997. I still vividly remember that game, playing Shane Mirbrook and Steve Sarkeesian leading the Cougars against Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl. And There have been so many opportunities. The Olympics, when Utah is on the biggest stages, I think we all, as Utahns in the state, by and large... We get on board and we support this team. I really think Utah, the Utes, speaking of the team themselves, they are extremely motivated in this game. And I think Utah, they're going to be packing something special, I think, when they take on Ohio State today down there in the Rose Bowl. I i could be wrong about that. Ohio State could come out and just simply out-athlete Utah. It, it, it's its a very real possibility. And, Eric, you watch a lot of football as well. I know you you watch it more through the prism. I know the, your background is more in the NFL. I come to it from a college football perspective Ohio State is one of the most loaded teams. If you go by star ranking systems and recruiting ranking services, this is about as talented a program as you will find top to bottom. The thing is though, Utah has proven that they have started to recruit at a higher level. Meanwhile, they also they also develop athletes. And you think of a guy like Devin Lloyd, a former two-star prospect, a safety who came to Utah and might be the number one middle linebacker, inside linebacker in next year's NFL draft. You have to point to that and say, Kyle Whittingham saw something in this young man nobody else saw, brings him in, puts him into a new position, moves him from safety to linebacker, and then they develop him into maybe the best linebacker in this year's draft class. That's the thing about Utah is, yeah, they're recruiting at a higher level. They don't recruit on the same level as Ohio State probably, but Utah, they got something special, I think, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up with a team like Ohio State.
3: Yeah, I think the number one thing that you see that minus four next to Ohio State, and I, I think, and you that's get, come down. By the way, it was six and a half to start with, and with the opt-outs, it's dropped it. Right. You look at the one guy who hasn't opted out, and that's C.J. Stroud, who might be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You mean a Heisman Trophy finalist? Yeah, is uh, on the field, a Heisman <laughs> Trophy finalist. Yeah. Um, that to me is the biggest test for Utah today. I'm not really worried about what's happening in the trenches. I think they're extremely well-coached in those areas, but this is going to be a huge test for the Utah secondary, and they're very talented, Mm -hmm. and they're super well-coached, and I understand that, but this is a different caliber of passing attack than most of these guys have ever seen in, in their entire college careers. Like This is not... Anthony Brown in Oregon, this is one of the best passing attacks in the entire country. And I'm, I'm interested to see how Utah matches up with that. Well,
2: they will need to match up. There's no doubt about that. So we'll have more on this. As I mentioned, Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes will give us the Ohio State perspective. Uh, he covers Ohio State day in and day out on the Locked On Podcast Network. You know what I do on the Saturday show? I call in my friends that I've gotten to know over the years doing podcasting Smart. with them. And then Brian Brown, who covers the Utes for Locked On Utes, uh, he will join us as well. Uh, Jay Stevens at 10.30, so our next segment will have him. And then at 11 o'clock, Brian's going to join us, Brian Brown, down there in the greater LA slash Pasadena area will get his thoughts on today's game. So uh, let's transition here and talk a little Utah Jazz, shall we?
3: Yeah, let's do it.
2: All right, so the Utah Jazz last night, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves for the third time in a month, 120-108. to 108. And this was a game I felt like that was all four quarters told different stories. And let me explain that. Uh, in the first quarter, the Utah Jazz came out and were trading buckets back and forth with Minnesota and say, okay, they're feeling pretty frisky, and both teams were undermanned. Let's also be clear about this right up front. Uh, D'Angelo, uh, uh, not uh, D'Angelo. Um, who am I thinking of? The star guard for Minnesota here did not play in this game. I got to pull it up here. Uh, I am just, I, I just escaped me. I want to say D'Angelo Mandel, but that's BYU's cornerback. But uh, but they also did not have Carl Anthony Towns in this game, so you can Minnesota. And then also the Utah Jazz were without Joe Ingles and Mike Conley both sitting out. Uh, Mike Conley due to rest. He's expected to play tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Meanwhile, Joe Ingles uh, has a left lower back strain, I believe was the correct term. So a sore lower back. He sat out last night's game. And they also, speaking of the Utah Jazz, lost Hassan Whiteside in this game due to concussion-like symptoms. His status moving forward is going to be in question. But both teams came out and started trading buckets. The second quarter, the Utah Jazz, they were still the more talented team because Minnesota's also been racked with all kinds of COVID issues, and the Utah Jazz seemed to take control of this game in the second quarter, led by 13 at halftime. Third quarter, they come out, and you're like, okay, they put the foot down here, this game's over, they can go enjoy New Year's Eve and obviously get ready for the Golden State Warriors. Well, they decided to take the foot off the gas rather than put the foot down on the accelerator, and Minnesota turned it into a very very... Very, very close game. But then in the fourth quarter, the Utah Jazz used a 22-0 run and put this game to bed. They end up winning at 120 to 108. Very impressive performance all things considered. Uh, Donovan Mitchell returned from two games off due to his own lower left back strain, goes off for a season high 39 points. Boyan Bogdanovic, very impressive 24 points, but also more importantly, his season high of 12 rebounds. Rudy Gobert chips in 14 and 16 and obviously Jordan Clark's and the uh, and Torch that he is, 20 points off the bench to go with Rudy Gay's 12 points uh, in the reserve unit for Utah. I I really felt like it was an impressive win for the Utah Jazz. Undermanned, uh, they have not dealt with COVID issues, knock on wood to this point, uh, like other teams, including Minnesota, have. But the hope is that the Utah Jazz can use this momentum they have piled up here in the month of December and kick it into another gear because this coming month, A lot, a lot of big games for the Utah Jazz upcoming, starting tonight against the Golden State Warriors, currently the number 1 seed in the Western Conference. Eric, uh, before we look forward here, you were at that game last night. What were your impressions sitting in the stands here at Vivint Arena?
3: You know, I think just how deep the team looks. You can remark about how Mm -hmm. they lost Whiteside. They, They didn't have... Joe Ingles or, or Mike Conley, and that would have been a real issue last year. It happened that, you know, that's kind of what knocked them out of the playoffs. But I mean, Boyan with 24 points, Donovan Mitchell with nearly 40, Rudy Gobert has 14, Rudy Gay has 12 off the bench, and then Jordan Clarkson with 20. Adding Rudy Gay has helped quite a bit with this team. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him score a few more points here and there, but he, he, his added uh, presence off the bench, I think, really helps the team out. And I was just impressed with the way they hung in there because Minnesota kept this thing really close early, but when the Jazz needed to pull away at the end, they were able to, you know, focus in and give their best effort and, and get through. and And I think that that's a that's a very good sign to be able to. You know, have lackluster quarters and then be able to turn it on in the fourth when it matters the most. And
2: that was the thing about that is it felt like in the third quarter, there have been games this year where the Jazz, they've come out and absolutely pummeled teams in the third quarter, but other games were similar to last night. They seem to take the foot off the accelerator. The other, the other team, their opponent, seems to gain momentum and then from there on, down the stretch, it's an absolute dogfight for the Jazz. The impressive part about last night's performance, I felt like, it was that 22-0 run in the fourth quarter. They put this game to bed and they said, you know what? We're not fooling around with this. We're putting this one out of mind, out of sight, and it's over here. And now they kick off a very big month. So this is a very road-heavy month speaking of the month of January for the Utah Jazz. They kick it off tonight at home against the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry will be in town. 7 o'clock tip-off, and obviously you'll be able to hear all the play-by-play coverage right here on your exclusive radio home for the Utah Jazz here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage, Jazz game night, the pre-game show with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe takes off at 6 o'clock and then David Locke, uh, ostensibly Ron Boone if he's not doing TV duty tonight. I don't know. He did TV last night. So David Locke will be on the call. We all know that. Uh, That'll be at 7 o'clock kicking off things. But then after that, the Utah Jazz, they embark on a five-game road trip. Then they return home for one game against Cleveland. Back out on the road. Back home for two. Back out on the road. Back home for one. Back out on back out for two. This is a very road-heavy slate this month and a lot of big opponents in this stretch. They played Golden State twice this month. They played the Los Angeles Lakers twice, if I'm not mistaken, this month. Oh, excuse me, one time. Denver twice this month. There is a very tricky uh, and the setup. And Oh, and the Suns, twice. yeah. They have the, they, have the, they have the home back-to-back. Yep. The home away back-to-back against the Suns as well late in the month. So, This month could tell us a lot about the Utah Jazz with regards to are they contenders or are they pretenders? Because you're going to play some of the top dogs that you're fighting for positioning with right now. If the Utah Jazz carry the momentum over from what they did in the month of December, I know they had their lull there in the mid-month losing those back-to-back games against San Antonio and Washington, but... Outside of that, you look at the month of December. It's been wins. It's been dubs. It's been a lot of fun to watch this Jazz team. And they have had their struggles, trust me. Uh, you can look back at some of these games. The Dallas game, which was severely uh, undermanned as they took on the Utah Jazz. They came out and just threw punch after punch at the Utah Jazz. They had to grind out a 120-116 to 116 victory. That one stands out to me. I feel like... The momentum they have collected this past month, speaking of the Jazz, should propel them into a very good month in December, in January, excuse me, if they are able to make sure that they take care of their business. The thing about this, and what I love about the Jazz, is they have actually been, record-wise, better on the road. And that pretends well for a road-heavy month here in the month of January. And I... I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how they respond. This five-game road trip, they kick it off Monday at New Orleans, and then they go to Denver, Toronto, Indiana, and Detroit. That's going to be a gauntlet because it's a full week on the road. There are five games in those eight days, and you obviously have some good teams in there and some very bad teams in there. New Orleans, not good. Detroit, not good. Indiana, eh. They're trying to blow things up, it feels like. Toronto, depends on the night. And then Denver, Well, they have been racked with injuries, but Nikola Jokic, he seems to relish playing Utah. So there's a very critical road trip upcoming for Utah Jazz and a very critical month with a lot of road contests uh, in this month of January for the Jazz. Eric, here's my question for you before we take our first time out here on the Saturday show is... With Utah Jazz record-wise being better on the road than they have been at home, does that give you the confidence they're going to go out there and really maybe make a run towards the one or two seed when they currently sit in the three seed here in the west?
3: You know, I think it all depends on those swing games. Okay. That that you know the, or that's what I like to call them at least. These matchups against the teams that are higher seeded than you you have three of them this month with the Warriors with and with the Suns. If you can take care of business against lesser teams and go up and win if they won tonight, for example, mm-hmm. against the Golden State Warriors, there's still a few games back, but that does a lot in catching up a little bit. It's a two-game swing. You're right. Yeah. So, you you want to go win these games against uh Against uh, the Warriors and yeah. the Suns.
2: Take the Suns and Warriors down. Yep. Denver, obviously, you're in a two-road contest there. The, uh, is it still the Pepsi Center? I don't remember what they call it anymore. It is Ball Arena. Ball Arena. Yep. Very on-the-nose name there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also had the Lakers. By the way, the Lakers, people, like talking about them like, they're they're falling short of expectations. I'm like, this is kind of what we all expected. If, if you looked at the Lakers' roster, a bunch of dudes in their mid-30s or older who can't shoot by and large, looking at you, Russell Westbrook, and you expected them to be more than that?
3: Yeah, the Lakers are an interesting case because you feel like if Anthony Davis gets back healthy and if they— Admit their failures and move some of these guys like Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline. I still think they're a very dangerous Mm -hmm. team. But you have to, you really have to get Russell Westbrook out of the mix because he just does not. Work on an NBA team when you, if you want to have three point shooting to keep up with some of these high scoring shooting teams like the Warriors and the Suns and the Jazz and the West.
2: Well, LeBron James, he wanted Westbrook on this roster. And any any given night, a guy like LeBron, if Anthony Davis comes back healthy, they can make your life miserable. But the thing is, they just. They don't seem to have it right now. So there's a big month ahead for the Utah Jazz. Go take care of business. Kick it off tonight the right way. Celebrate New Year's by taking on Steph and the Golden State Warriors, and hopefully, we're talking about a Utah Jazz win come Monday. Alright, coming up in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes. He was on with DJ and PK earlier this week. Does a great job covering Ohio State. Want to get his thoughts on today's game. We'll get to that next top of the 11 o'clock hour. Brian Brown from Locked On Utes will join us as well. You're listening to The Saturday Show, brought to you by Mountainland Supply, right here on the zone sports network
0: it may be the weekend but there are no days off for the zone sports network you're listening to the saturday show can't wait can't can't can't, can't wait it's all weekend baby on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
2: The Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. About to get to a head on today's show, but of course it is Rose Bowl Day here down there in the Rose Bowl. The 2022 Rose Bowl game. We are going to uh, catch up right now with Jay Stevens. He is the host of Locked On Buckeyes, a guy that I've gotten to know over the last little bit. He covers Ohio State. And Jay, thank you for taking the time. How are you, sir? I'm
4: doing well. Bowl season is here. It's almost over. we got bowl games on right now. The bowl ball later today, and I'm excited to watch all the football this afternoon.
2: Absolutely. We had you on earlier this week with DJ and PK here on the Zone Sports Network, and I want to start here, and it is the day of the game finally, and we have been waiting all week for this. What is the vibe you're getting from Ohio State based on your observations of their excitement level for today's game?
4: They're ready to go. It's game day. Uh, There's talk around uh, social media, that is, as far as if it's meaningless, if it means something. Once the guys get on the field, once they experience what it is, the festivities leading up to the start of the Rose Bowl, if they're not ready to go, I believe they will be ready to go. And it's a game. They know that if they come out there and lay an egg, it's an embarrassment. And I don't believe the Buckeyes, Ryan Day, players, coaches, anybody involved on the team wants to end the season with two straight losses.
2: And that's the thing about that is I, I feel like there's a, there's some pride at stake here for Ohio State because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can probably correct me on this, I believe after the loss to Michigan, one of the Michigan assistants essentially made the comment that uh, we felt like Ohio State was soft and, or something to, to that level, and that's never anything you want to hear when you're playing the game of football is that term soft. Uh, do you feel like that's part of the mo- motivation here for Ohio State going into this one?
4: Yeah, it's kind of man pride. You use the word pride, I would do the same thing. No man ever wants to be described as soft, S-O-F-T. That's kind of what I would call a pride taker. There are things in life that will take a man's pride, and that's one of them. But what he said was exactly what we saw in the game. Ohio State fans don't like it. I'm sure the players and coaches probably had some um, really colorful conversations with colorful words involved in the locker room. But, I mean, reality is Ohio State was soft this Saturday after Thanksgiving. Josh Gatt is saying that. He's just saying what is the truth about that game and how Ohio State played. And the best thing about that was, star linebacker at Ohio State, well, a bright spot for Ohio State linebacker, still Chambers, he did not shy away from admitting that Ohio State was soft in that game. The thing I don't want to see today, just me personally, I don't want to see an Ohio State team that a soft one again. They have been soft throughout the season, but if you lay an egg back back, and if you're soft, not just losing, but if you're soft while losing in the game, that's going to be a big mark, a big knock on the season. And there are going to be a lot of questions that need to be asked starting tomorrow.
2: Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, joining us here on the Zone Sports Network on the Smart Ring guest line. Uh, Jay, let's talk a little bit about personnel here. The funny thing about this, and I feel like this is being overlooked, and obviously all the opt-outs for Ohio State are notable. We'll get to those here in a moment. But the fact of the matter is Ohio State will still have a Heisman Trophy finalist and C.J. Stroud on the field today in the Rose Bowl. That's got to count for something, I feel like.
4: Oh, I'm really amazed that you brought that up, because everywhere I'm hearing about is Garrett Wilson, it's uh, Chris Olave, they're not playing <laughs> Nicklaus heath Freyer, they're not being on the field. I mean, you, you have a Heisen Trophy candidate, a finalist, the fourth in the voting. He's still active. He's still there. Four of these five starting off of the line, but this year, they're still active as well. He still has his buddy, Travion Henderson, and Mayan Williams behind him. Matt Fatigue might get some run in this game. He still has Jeremy Rutgers. He still has Jackson Smith and Degba, who's a leading receiver on the team. Everyone's talking about the opt-outs, and forgetting that, see, this amazing. Like, first-year starter, he's done a lot of things that have blown so many people away that it's sometimes hard to describe it. He's still on the field. He's on X factor. He is a big point of concern for the Utah defense, and I'm curious to see how he gets the young guys involved early in this game because the earlier you get them involved, it's going to be a whole lot better for you down the road.
2: That, that, that's the thing about that. As I, Yeah, the opt-outs took the headlines. Chris Olave, you mentioned Garrett Wilson. They're both going to the NFL. Nicholas Pitt, Pitt. Is it Petit Ferrer, am I pronouncing that correctly?
4: There you go, good job, I'm pretty impressed <laughs> A lot of people confuse that, mixed that up
2: And then also Haskell Garrett uh, They opted out of this game And they're all talented players in their own right But you're, you're right, there's other talent on this roster And a guy that I am intrigued by Is Travion Henderson He had an 1100 yard season this year But I feel like he took a backseat To the high powered passing attack Can you let our fans out here in Utah Know a little bit more about what to expect From a guy of his caliber?
4: A very, very explosive youngster, true freshman running back from Virginia. A little backstory to him. He didn't play his senior year of high school due to Virginia and up them having a spring season. He ended up joining Ohio State in the spring when his high school was going to play his senior season. So he, he had a whole year off. Think about guys like uh, Panea Sewell. He played Oregon. Micah Parsons at Penn State. When well, they had a year off and they flourished, now the NFL – same type of thing for Travion Henderson, where he had a year off in high school, and he is very explosive. He popped onto the scene, Minnesota Week 1, that game there on the road, had a big thing with a screen pass that he took, like, 70 yards to the house. He's very explosive. Sometimes between the tackles, it's not his strong suit. You've a lot of physical guys, a lot of big, strong guys that are there in the middle that have been playing college football for a while. That's what to come down the road. But if you want a guy that he, 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 can, he can hit you, um, drop of a hat, he can take it, he can take it 50, 60 yards, um, he's going to really do a phenomenal job of not going down at first contact. He is very, very explosive. And Utah Utah is not good at tackling today. Travion Henderson could have himself a great day at Pasadena.
2: Jackson Smith and Njigba is their leading receiver yardage-wise, but with uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sitting out, there are 25 touchdowns between the two of them sitting out. You figure guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to step up. Julian Fleming, actually, who is one of the top-rated wide receiver prospects in the most recent recruiting class coming into Ohio State, you figure they're going to take a step up here. Is there somebody in this receiving core, whether it's a tight end or another receiver that you feel like is going to step into the void left by Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in this game?
4: You mentioned two of the guys already between Marvin Harrison Jr., son of Marvin Harrison, former Colts wide receiver, and then also Julian Fleming, um, two guys that are phenomenal receivers. Fleming has battles with injuries, so his production, you look at his stat sheet, he's played a little bit, but hasn't been as productive as you might think for someone that was expected to be a bigger piece inside of Ohio State's offense. But Egg Vuka, I think is going to be possibly the X factor in this game. He is Ohio State's return man, does a lot of kicks. He did get injured towards the end of the season. They took him out of that role when he got back healthy. But I do think that Egg Ekbuka could be the wild card. I'm curious, though. I wonder if Ohio State keeps Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot. To me, that's the wisest thing to do. But Egg Ekbuka in the slot moving and Jigba to the outside, that could be an added wrinkle for Ohio State's offense that Smith and Jigba, if he's in the slot, great. But do you want to put your number one corner inside closer to the box to where he's going to have to be more in the mess um, in the muck right there in the inside, or do you want to keep him on the outside? These are all kind of details about the game. We'll have to watch throughout the game, but Amecha Ekbuka to me could be, I think he's going to be big, a bigger factor in this game than Julian Fleming, even though Fleming is the older receiver.
2: Looking at the defense, uh, I, okay. And correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like there's just been a lot of dysfunction for Ohio State on defense this year. They've they've demoted their defensive coordinator. Of, of course, they already hired a new coordinator who's going to come in once the season is completed. Can you kind of give us a sense of how this defense has performed overall?
4: So you went back. You said a word previously. I like to circle back in conversations. You used the word pride when talking about Josh Gattis calling the defense soft. That's a good word to describe um, how the defense has been at times a little soft. Um, yeah, it was a good pride thing. You mentioned the word dysfunction. Dysfunction is the way that this defense has been. My biggest gripe with this defense, this defense has talent, this defense can be good. My biggest gripe is I think before the season that coaches realized we're not sure who's going to be the upper echelon player to start. So they started playing everybody in their mama throughout the game. And a lot of fans and myself are like, wait, you're supposed to play your best guys on the field, and you continue to play, what, five, four, five, six sometimes linebackers and numerous guys in the secondary. And the rotation on the defensive line is expected, so I don't really put too much stock into that. But they keep playing so many guys. The defense is good. The defense has talent. Zach Harrison and Tyree Smith, they are good defensive ends. Not not the guys that are going to be future first-round picks, but they're good defensive ends. Theo Chambers, Cody Simon, those are bright spots at the linebacker position. Denzel Burke, true freshman corner, came in early, started against Minnesota game number one because of injuries, and he has been the best defensive back, best corner that the team has had. Uh, injuries have derailed this defense as well, but this defense to me today, if they come and play their A game, it might be enough to beat Utah. I just don't know. It's weird. This game number 13, I don't know who's going to start. I don't know how, what the rotation is going to be. Game 13, the Rose Bowl, January 1st of the new year, and we're talking about uncertainty about the rotation in the starting lineup. That's really weird for an Ohio State team that normally has really good players on that side of the ball.
2: Typically, when a safety is your leading tackler in a season, that usually indicates something bad has happened to this defense. And Ronnie Hickman leads the Buckeyes with 95 total tackles on the year. But I feel like Hickman's actually kind of, a, he's one of the better players, I feel like, for Ohio State overall in terms of their defense. Am I, am I reading into that that it's been a struggle because he's leading the team in tackles, or is he just one of those players who just is making plays all over the field?
4: A little bit of both. I think it goes into the rotation I talked about earlier mm-hmm. about how there are so many guys that are playing. I'm looking at the stats right now right in front of me. 95 tackles for Ronnie Hickman. The next closest guy is a linebacker in Cody Simon at 54 total tackles, then Bryson Shaw at 50, then Tommy Eisenberg at 47, then Taraja Mitchell at 43, and Mitchell might not play at all in this game if he does very, very little. So it is a little bit of he's been a bright spot. He's flourish. He's a really good guy. Um, Ohio State moved to a 4-2-5 defense base defense and Hickman plays that bullet or I call it the rover um, position there that's moving from the strong safety spot to inside the box moving all over the field trying to confuse the defense about where his position is going to be pre-snap to post-snap but a lot of what I'm seeing when I look at the numbers it kind of confirms what I've seen when I watch the game it's Hickman and then it's kind of some other guys that are filling, filling in at the other roles. Hickman really doesn't come off the field. The other guys that I've mentioned, besides Bryce and Shaw, they come off the field every now and then, and that's why there is such a gap in between Ronnie Hickman's tackles and then everybody else's.
2: Got it. All right, so Jay Jay Stevens here from Locked On Buckeyes joining us here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. And Jay, where do you feel like today's game is going to tip? Is, is there one specific matchup, uh, a side of the ball? Where do you think this game tips today in the Rose Bowl? Easy,
4: easy, easy, easy. It's all about the battle in the trenches. I talked about it on Locked On Buckeyes on Friday show. If you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to check it out. There's still some time between now and kickoff to check out the preview from the Ohio State point of view for today's game. And it's the battle in the trenches, guard, center, guard for Ohio State. Those three guys, I believe it's going to be Matt Jones, left guard, center Luke Whippler, and then right guard Paris Johnson Jr. Those three guys have to key and have to communicate very well throughout the game because I do think the interior defensive line for Utah is going to bring up some fit. The other teams have brought to Ohio State previously, and Ohio State has struggled a lot of times against good defensive fronts. Um, especially good linebackers. So it's going to be that little detail right there. If Ohio State wins the battle in the trenches on offense, really, I'm going to couple this, offense and defense. If they win the battle in the trenches, Ohio State wins the game. If they lose the battle in the trenches, they're going to lose the game. We watched the game last night. What was it? Alabama and Cincinnati. Uh-huh. And I got it. I kept going back and forth watching the game because I was like, this is ugly. I don't want to keep watching blowouts. But every time my eyes went up, Alabama is blowing Cincinnati's front off the ball. Ohio State needs to be that forceful, imposing their will both on the offensive interior of the uh, interior of the offensive line and interior of the defensive line for Ohio State to be successful in this game.
2: All right. So, what's your prediction? I, I didn't want you to go right there right now.
4: <laughs> I want to go
2: ahead and change what I have said. I said it
4: on DJ and PK in the morning, kind of. Jumped around on purpose. I didn't want to definitively say anything. I said it with, um, with Brian when he was on Thursday show. I said it Friday. I got Utah, man. I keep trying to go away from it. Uh, I think Ohio State's issues that they've had sometimes a season on the interior of the offensive line, they make me a little bit nervous. You have a new starter. I'm worried about his endurance and stamina throughout the game. Interior of, Ohio, of, of the defensive line of Ohio State – Losing Haskell Garrett is big. We talk about C.J. Stroud, him being there. We talk about Garrett Wilson and Alave not being there. I think the biggest opt-out decision that's going to be a huge loss is Haskell Garrett, defensive tackle, leader in sacks for Ohio State, leader in tackle for loss of Ohio State. Neither of them are over 10. So that let you know about how good this, about how this defense has played throughout the season. Your three techniques, your leader in sacks and TFL. Wake-up call. Need to fix some things quickly. I got Utah, man. Uh, I think that Utah is going to bring some fits, and I don't think Ohio State has enough right now with the players that are out there to win this game.
2: All right. Well, Jay, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for taking some time to join us here today, and we will obviously uh, check back with you after this game goes final, all right? Thanks. This was fun. Have a good day. All right, there you go. Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes, covering Ohio State for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank him for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Of course, at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, a dear friend, a guy who has been on the show a fair amount of times, Brian Brown from Locked On Utes. He is down in California. He's going to join us as well. We'll catch up with him. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to get to Technical Fouls, one of our oldies but goodies here on the Saturday show. Rewarding people who have been dumb in sports and even beyond that. We'll get to all of that Coming up next, that you're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM and the Zone Sports Network.
3: On the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the mistakes, you'll
1: get hit with a bad because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath foul
4: personal file, 69
1: office he's giving them the business a technical
2: foul welcome back to the Saturday show here on the zone sports Network Jay catch along for the ride here on this Saturday morning I guess technically for about what seven more minutes and then we flip over to the afternoon uh thank you for taking the time to join us it is time as you just heard for technical fouls uh an interesting note here on the NBA by the way real quick here Eric I I Lance Stevenson, obviously a guy who's been a protagonist in the NBA. He is reuniting with the Indiana Pacers on a 10-day contract. Oh, good for him. I was just uh, coming down. I just saw that come across. It made me chuckle a little bit. He's going back to Indiana. All right. Uh, time for people being dumb in sports or people just doing weird things. Should we start, uh, Eric? I mean, have you, like, pick your choice, basketball or soccer? Uh, let's go with soccer here. Let's talk about uh, the Chinese national team in soccer. Uh, they have been banned. Yes, the word banned, B-A-N-N-E-D, from getting tattoos and are advised to remove the ones that they have under a new directive from the governing body there in the People's Republic of China. It uh, said that uh, recruiting new players with tattoos at the national level and youth squads was, quote, strictly Prohibited, And the administration said the move would help, quote, set a good example for society. Some national uh, stars, including Zhang Pung, have been previously told to cover up their tattoos. Very interesting move here because uh, tattoos are in vogue, plain and simple, across sports, especially in the sport of soccer. There's a lot of tattoos around there, and I'm actually stunned that a, a national governing body of a sport is actually telling their national team stars yeah to first not get any tattoos second uh, to not uh, recruit players who with tattoos to the national or youth squad levels playing for the national team and then also asking them to cover them up? Uh, Okay, yeah. The General Administration of Sport, or GAS, there in China, uh, they have been, quote, advised to have their tattoos removed. In special circumstances, the tattoos must be covered up during training and competition with the consent of the rest of the team, unquote. I just, I don't get this. I don't see how this has any positive effect on any of this. It just seems weird to me that China wants their national team members to, no longer have tattoos, but what do I know? I, I don't have any tattoos, but I just don't get it. <laughs> I, it's weird to me. So, all right, let's talk a little basketball as well here. And, Eric, I think you'll laugh at this one. Uh, Dateline Rally, North Carolina. So we're going across the country here. Tear gas was used to stop a large fight that broke out during a basketball tournament at Wake Technical Community College's North Wake campus Wednesday night. Well oh boy. Tear gas. Tear gas.
3: I mean, yeah, this kind of goes into my small technical foul as well. Seems like I've been seeing with, like, we're getting back to the point where people are are like, oh, yeah, we're you know, we're back at live sporting events. You know, things are kind of in limbo with the COVID virus right now. But Uh everyone's going back to live sporting events. And people are getting in fights, man. They people are. People are getting in fights. Uh, the one you were going to yeah. talk
2: about it was it was which bowl game was it? It, it was, was
3: Pitt and Michigan State. But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. These you know these videos pop up on Twitter, and come on, guys. I mean, you're just here to go just watch the game. Like you're not. It doesn't have to turn into an MMA brawl every time. Yeah, this one's pretty nuts. So the fight erupted in uh, interrupted
2: a final game in the 49th John Wall Holiday Invitational it is one of the top high school basketball tournaments in the country. The tournament features actually some of the top boys and girls basketball teams across the country. Over 100 NBA players, including at least three number one picks in the NBA draft, have played in the tournament and in its history. A spokesperson for the event said the vi- the fight broke out between fans in the stands as Farmville Central and Life Christian Academy from Kissimmee, Florida, played. A security officer responded, but security was, quote, stretched thin, unquote, due to an on-court fight that had occurred in the previous game to this one. Some folks used their cell phones to record the fight. In one video, you can see people under the stands, and at one point, a chair was thrown across the basketball court at somebody. Yes, a chair. This is WWE-type stuff. It's unclear what triggered the event, but then the security officer who was trying to break things up uh, deployed tear gas to control the chaos, and the gym was evacuated. Due to the lingering effects of the tear gas, they rescheduled the game to be played Thursday morning. But tear gas to break up a fight, that's a new one. I don't know if I've ever heard. I've heard it used to break up riots and that type of stuff, but at a basketball game? Well what what what's a riot other than a big fight? I sure I get that, but th- this just I, I don't know. A brawl at a basketball game to me. I I don't I don't know if my first thought would be like, I'm deploying tear gas. Let's go. I don't know. That's just me. Some people just love the tear gas. But let's behave better. Everybody we can behave. It's New Year's. New Year's resolution. Behave better. Behave better at your sporting events. I get that you are rabid and we want to we have tribalism with our teams, but we can all be a little bit better. Let's see, let's endeavor to do that in the new year. We learned something today. Indeed. All right. Uh, coming up next, Brian Brown's going to join us. I also threw it out on Twitter. I want your guys' predictions to the Rose Bowl. Love hearing uh, from you guys on what you expect for Utah and Ohio State in this game. Coming up, kickoff at 3 o'clock. A reminder for you guys, 1 o'clock our Ute pregame coverage with Scott Gerrard and Hans Olsen will kick off here on the Zone Sports Network, carrying you right up to kickoff and obviously postgame coverage as soon as the game goes file, final. Excuse me, We'll have that all covered for you. But More in a moment. Brian Brown joins us. I think what we'll do, and Brian's a good sport with this, Eric. You'll, we'll also have you weigh in on this. We'll actually go through these predictions with Brian on the air. I think he'll laugh at some of these. We'll get to all of those. It's well, coming up next right here on the Saturday show, right here on 97.5 FM and the Zone Sports Network.
0: Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's
3: going to be May.
0: This is the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
5: we we'll
2: Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hour two of the program underway now. The noon hour is here. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be on this Saturday. It's a cold Saturday here along the Wasatch Front, but where our next guest is at currently, it is beautiful. Based on everything I am hearing, uh, he is Brian Brown, host of Locked on Utes, a dear friend of ours here on the Saturday show, a former producer actually here at the Zone. Brian, how are you, my friend?
5: Jake, I couldn't be better. Like you said, it is beautiful. Uh, it could be raining cats and dogs, though, and it would be a beautiful day here in uh, what we're now calling Utadina because there are so <laughs> many Utah fans in Pasadena that there's no way that we're still in California. It has to be uh, Salt Lake City style.
2: Okay, so are you on site? Or are you at the Rose Bowl already? <laughs> Getting there okay. currently <laughs> uh, working your way over,
5: got it, yes, yeah, yeah, you were en route, as I like to say, uh to the Rose Bowl to the stadium, was over there yesterday, checking out the scene, got all prepped and and uh took care of all the uh the verification to get into the stadium so that we won't have to worry about that, and we're heading over now to uh celebrate with about uh I'm guessing fifty or sixty thousand other Utah fans.
2: It's stunning to me. I've seen pictures of Salt Lake International Airport. I've seen pictures of people down there in the greater L.A. slash Pasadena area. Just Utah fans are there in droves. It's absolutely incredible to me, Brian. But at the same time, I completely understand this is a historic day for the University of Utah.
5: It is, and this is a goal and an achievement that they've been working towards ever since joining the Pac-12 Conference. And even before that, to some degree, this is a program that's always wanted to be relevant nationally. And, and, you know, you can say what you want about little brother, big brother, but I think there's some, you know, rivalry with BYU and what they did back in the 80s and 90s that pushed this program to to wanting to do more. And now this is kind of like an achievement day. Uh, We won't call it graduation because I think there's still a lot more on the table for this program and for this football team. Uh, But it's a huge deal, and Utah fans responded, and I think, the other part of it, too, is you have to acknowledge that with the way this season has been with the the Ty Jordan and the Aaron Lowe situation, uh, that this was an opportunity for everybody to in the Utah Utes community to really show some love and some appreciation for the football team. And you know, I think it's a great job by Utah fans to get out and showcase what the state has to offer and what the fan base is capable of.
2: Okay, Brian, obviously you you cover Utah for Lockdown News. I've been co-hosting with you for the past year or so. And it, it feels like to me in this game today that the more motivated team by far is Utah. And that's actually a big, I feel like, indicator of a team that has the advantage in this game. But if you go by the sports books, you go by ESPN's FPI, it still says that Ohio State has the advantage. Where do you feel like this game is going to tip?
5: Well, I think the biggest thing is that it just comes down to, you know, can Utah establish the run early on Ohio State the way that they want to. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's – lines are funny because lines are always set to, to, for the general public to bat, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the general public wants to put money on Ohio State. That's the horse that's carried them for so often. You know, we talk about it. It's why the Notre Dame line is always the one that's – like the, one of the first lines that's released. Because it's one of the most easy and popular and recognizable teams to bet on, Uh, and so I think to some degree the fact that the line has dropped and went from six and a half to four and a half—I haven't checked recently, but it's got to be teetering right then and there—that probably indicates that the you know the sharps and whatnot are are trying to nudge the the big public into betting on Ohio State. But I think the you know the smart money, so to speak, would be on Utah at this game. It's it's the opt-outs for me. You know, Haskell Garrett in the middle of that Ohio State defense is a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was leader in sacks, leader in TFLs. He's the guy that that really had this team, you know, kind of uh, hanging in there. And they're not as physical an Ohio State team as as maybe they have been in the past. But um, you know, I think, it, like I said, if you talk and establish the run early, if they can put some pressure on TJ Stroud and really confuse him early on and and have him quote-unquote, seeing ghosts, that's where this one can blow open for Utah. And and look, I know the line is four and a half. I know that Ohio State has a ton of talent. But if things go the way that, that they have for Utah in the past, this one could get out of hand early because I don't know that, not necessarily that Ohio State doesn't want to be there, but I, I don't know how focused this team is right now with how much has been going on within the program, You know, coaching changes, transfer portal, uh, all the guys who are leaving to go to the NFL. It's, it's a lot. And we're seeing, you know, all the time now and during bowl season that teams can have a tendency to kind of check out a little bit.
2: I would agree with you. I think that's very evident if you if you watch if you've watched college bowl games just in it's uh, it was in the last five years or so, opt outs are a big, big thing. And uh, the one thing, and let's let's talk about this for a minute. I, I we had Jay Stevens on from Locked On Buckeyes earlier on on today's show, Brian, and I brought up the point that I feel like he's kind of being overlooked to a degree. Is that despite the opt-outs for Ohio State, they still do have a Heisman Trophy finalist on the field. They'll be taking on Utah and C.J. Stroud. Uh, what is your concern level that no matter if he's missing two of his top targets, that this is a dude who can still get the job done?
5: Yeah, it's Ohio State. They've got guys who can catch football and guys who can get open. You know, I think Smith and Jigba is a very talented receiver. So even though the Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave are gone, uh, they're going to have guys who can they can reload on that roster. I mean, this is this is a wide receiver group that lost Jameson Will, uh, Williams to, to Alabama, and he went down there and was their best wide receiver the, uh, of the year. Good right? point. Yeah. Good point. So, like, you know, they have talent there, and you know that like like Stroud can throw the football. That's the bottom line. And so, I think it's you know the other big concern about it is like, we do we really even know who's starting at cornerback for Utah yet? <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, like, I I mean, Clark Phillips is on one side, and Uh, we know that Malone Montaelli will be, you know, at the nickel spot. But, you know, it's that that last corner position that we don't really know, you know, what's going to be taking place there. Now, we've heard names being moved around and and whatnot. But um, I think that's a big thing to kind of circle. And and you have to think that CJ Stroud is is thinking that same way in his head. um, Where I think Utah can hang with it and and keep, you know, keep the – uh, the game on track is is by disguising coverage, bringing pressure from abnormal spots and situations. And, and really, you know, I think we've seen a lot with drop seven, drop eight in the zone game. And if Utah can do that a little bit early and force Stroud into making decisions or throwing in the tight windows, that could maybe help them disrupt him. But if he gets into a rhythm, it could be a very, very long day for Utah. It, it, like and that's probably the biggest fear I have, both as a fan and as someone who's breaking down this game is, let CJ Stroud get cooking, man, and, and he's not going to stop.
2: Yeah, and, and I think the term that you and I are kind of looking at is uh, the concern of Ohio State just simply out athleting uh, Utah. Yeah. Is that is that the concern? Uh,
5: yeah, I, I think to a degree, right? Like, I mean, it's Ohio State's got more four and five stars on their roster sure. than Utah's had in years, right? Like, so it's not. You know, while I think Utah's athleticism has improved, we saw that with how they played against Oregon and, and, you know, throughout the Pac-12 conference, that this is a very big, physical, strong, fast Utah football team. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just that there's so much talent on that Ohio State State roster. And as you start to lose depth on the Utah side of things, it's the experience that gets, you know, a a little shaky. And, And then, so I think, you know, knowing that Utah doesn't have any issues with COVID at this point knowing that Utah's gonna be healthier than they've probably been all year, knowing that they do have good depth that they've kind of tested all year long, things should be, you know, favorable for them to compete. Now, if you see guys go down throughout the game, that's where it kind of starts to get iffy because now you're replacing it with inexperienced guys who are not quite developed. Whereas Ohio State has guys that, you know, maybe they're inexperienced but they're still four star talent.
2: Let's talk about some of these guys. This is gonna be their final game in a Utah uniform. Think of guys like Britton Covey, Devin Lloyd, Nick Ford, Mika Tafua. They've all uh, declared they're gonna. This will be their final game as a member of the Utah football program. Do you feel like they have established a legacy that, uh, they, that they need to win this game to legitimize that legacy, or do you feel like their legacy is already intact by making this game?
5: Oh, it's definitely intact. I think this season alone has, has really established the legacy that those guys have cemented. I think Devin Lloyd's play, um, you know, even if it, it, even if they hadn't made the Pac-12 championship game, I think he would have cemented his legacy as the greatest Utah defensive player in history. Um, but he the story. Um, that's the biggest thing is it's, you know, we're in Hollywood, so to speak, and, and this is the Hollywood ending if Utah were to win today, and I think that's the biggest part about it. Um, in addition to the fact that I think it's just you want to see Britton Covey go out with a win. You want to see Devin Lloyd go out with a win. These are guys who have toiled and worked and and done it the, the Utah way for so long now that you just you have so much hope and and kind of motivation for them on their behalf uh, that you want to see them win. And um, you know, so I think. All that being equal, uh, the legacy is there, it's set, but this would just be that nice little uh, extra extra dollop of whipped cream on the uh, Rose Bowl Sunday, so to speak.
2: All right. I've just seen this come across, Brian. I'm going to get your reaction to it because it's literally just happening on Twitter. Josh Newman, of course, dear friend over there at Salt Lake Tribune covering the youth, does a great job. says, we will see how warmups shake out, but the expectation is that Micah Bernard will play cornerback this afternoon against Ohio State. He says, there's a better-than-average chance that Bernard, a third-year running back, gets the start. Your thoughts?
5: Uh... <laughs> So maybe or maybe not, I've known about this for a little while. Can't say. Uh, Sources cannot confirm or deny this information. Uh, But if that was the case, uh, I would think that Bernard probably uh, showcased a lot of uh, adaptability at the position when they moved him over there. And I think that this was kind of going to be the way of it all along. I think it's a great fit for him. He's an incredible athlete. I love watching him run the football. Uh, but knowing Mackay, the biggest thing is just that, like, he wants to be on the field, he wants to play, he wants to compete. And, and he's the kind of guy that has the mentality to where he can play the position, uh, he has the athletic ability, he definitely has the size. Uh, and if you've been following along with his tweets, he's been real real busy tweeting lately, so I think he's as excited as anybody to get out there and, and give this a shot. Uh, so, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. Um, you know, and I think you're going to see some bumps for sure, but Utah's is going to have some stuff in, in place to kind of help him get over those bumps. And, uh, you know, like for a kid from Southern California to start your first game in the Rose bowl <laughs> at a corner position, like how cool is that? So I think that's the biggest part about it is it's super exciting for him. And, and you know, we'll see, like, I, I'm honestly, like he's physically perfect for the position, so I think there's a lot of advantage there. And, and who better to coach you up than Sharif Shaw? I mean, he's done it with two other guys, like Fabian Marks and, and Zamaya Vaughn, this year. Why not Makai Bernard?
2: It's just the, the, the idea. You're right. The idea that he is is, is a Southern California native playing in the Rose Bowl, an iconic venue, and then his first start on the def- defensive side of the ball in the Rose Bowl. That's a it's a pretty interesting storyline there.
5: Yeah, I mean not bad for your first day. No. 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 Not, not bad
2: at
5: all. Uh, you, you hope that it goes well, but who knows. Um, but I think regardless it's gonna be you know, it's gonna be a position that's gonna be, you know, taken care of as a, on a team basis, right? Like yeah. you're gonna have the safeties, you're gonna probably see a lot of that cowboy package that Utah uses with the three down linemen, the three linebackers and the five um defensive backs. And so you're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff to help, you know, uh, allow him to get comfortable for it early. But the biggest thing is just he is a kid that has the mindset to attack that position. And, you know, with those kinds of players that have the athletic ability, that have the mindset, um, you know, I think it's okay to have some expectation for him to be um, capable uh, today.
2: All right, Brian, what is the best thing that you've had so far there in Southern California on this trip? Oh, boy. Uh, other than
5: the sunshine and warm weather, it's probably uh, – and, and people who follow me on Twitter, they know Lupe's Tacos. Uh, went down to Dana Point, caught mm-hmm. some uh, some ocean breeze, and then uh, did the stoner fries down there. That was pretty good. But, um, you know, it's hard to miss a meal here in California. Like it, There are so many good places to eat. It's probably the the primary redeeming part of having to deal with everything else that you deal with down here. Um, is that there's like a million good food spots within a mile
2: that is the truth i I married into a southern california family i can tell you this much you're right it is hard to find a bad meal in socal you'd have to actually kind of look for it i feel like
5: yeah i mean unless you're like i mean unless you're just dead set on going to mcdonald's or or even uh, (laughs) jack-in-the-box like
2: hey jack-in-the-box crack tacos man those bad boys those are legendary
5: yeah, like you're just gonna pay the price for it that you won't if you go someplace you don't know, like Lucky Boy or some of the other, other spots in town, so All
2: right. Well Brian, appreciate you taking some time to join us, carving out some time, enjoy the game today, and we're we'll looking forward more to your coverage on Locked On Utes and everything, all right? Hey, it's great to talk
5: to you, my man. You have a happy new year and uh tell Scotty G that I'm upset that they didn't uh put you guys on a remote out here. We would have had a good time.
2: <laughs> we would have had a great time. I I probably <laughs> should have had. All right. Thanks, Brian. Talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Have a good one. And There you go. Brian Brown locked on Utes, a former producer here at The Zone and a dear friend. Thank him for taking the time. It should be a fun time out there. All right, uh, before we take a break here, Eric, I threw it out on Twitter. I wanted people's predictions for this game, and I want to get your reaction to this before we go to break here. So uh, let's start here. Our first prediction, Jared Ashby, Jared underscore Ashby, I'm voting for the red and white team. That's clever. Yeah. Okay. Well, way to go, buddy. Red and white team, both team. Okay. Got it. All right. Doug Gibson here. Utah thirty-one. Ohio State twenty. Actually, I think that's a pretty good prediction there, score wise. What do you think?
3: I don't know how bad I think the Ohio State defense is. Thirty points seems reasonable, but maybe a little high.
2: Okay. All right, Uh, our fearless leader Tanya Vea, of course, over there at KSL. She has Utah by five, and I actually I I think it's going to be a fairly close game. Honestly, myself, I think it's a one score game. Where, Where do you sit? I
3: tend to think that it'll be close. Early, but mm-hmm. somebody's going to pull away in the third quarter. I think. oh, you th- you think it's going to not be that close? Then I, I think uh, what what will happen is the first half will be relatively close. The third will be back and forth. But by the ten minute mark of the fourth quarter, you'll know who's going to win the game. Interesting. Okay, uh, Cougs in the pros tracking BYU
2: guys in the NFL. Ohio State a lot. Utah a little. So Pettiness. Somebody's a little petty, yeah. I I can understand that. Uh, Blair Redd, a good friend of ours, uh, Utah 38, Ohio State 27, and he says it won't be as close as the score indicates. I think that goes more to your point here.
3: Yeah, I think that might be the case, where it's a a closer score where it's within 7 to 10 points, but it's... You know that one team... It's better, but it's 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 a bigger win for either side than they that.
2: They tack on a touchdown and a two-point conversion in the final minute to make
3: yeah it look
2: closer than it actually... Yeah, I, I can yeah. see that happening, potentially. It really depends, I feel like, as most games do, the turnover margin. you got to take care of the football. We all know Kyle Whittingham, he is a stickler for taking care of the football. He does not want his teams to turn it over. And if you give a team like Ohio State, multiple opportunities to have extra possessions, that's a recipe for disaster. We all saw that earlier on in the season when Utah had some uh, fumble issues, uh, turnover deal. It will it'll cripple you. And a team like Ohio State, they are as polished as any team out there. They have the talent. And if you give them that opportunity to have a cheap possession, a short field, you can guarantee they're going to come downhill at you and you'd be stunned if you don't uh, give up seven points in that scenario, I feel like. So I think it's be critical for Utah to make sure that they take care of the football in this game. Uh, one final prediction here. Uh, if you guys have your predictions, feel free to send them in. Uh, Eric, is it Eric18Utah? Uh, Did I got that correct? Yep, got uh, it. I'm at Jacob C. I was, Can send them to Zone Sports Net, our station feed as well. The best prediction here of the bunch, though, our good friend Lundy, Alex Lundberg, former co host here on the Saturday show. Here's his prediction I'm predicting that my raspberry chipotle ribs are going to be money.
3: Good for him. (laughs) Eating those raspberry chipotle ribs, probably washing it down with about 400 milligrams of caffeine and a bang energy. Good For that guy, uh, Lundy,
2: uh, let us know when to stop by. I want to try this. You talked when you were co host here about buying your smoker. I just need to, you know, we
3: need to check up on how his smoking game is going. Yeah, yeah, maybe have us over a little barbecue and yeah. when it gets a little warmer. Oh, no, we need to do it today. We need to stop
2: by and try these ribs out. That's what I'm saying. I, I, we need, we need to go evaluate, we need to be the taste
3: testers. And I feel like that's a uh, more of a job for you as I will be here deep into the night.
2: Well. We'll go pick it up. All right, one final one here, just uh, sneaking in under the wire. Patrick Carr from up there at the Standard Examiner in Ogden. He's got Ohio State 45, Utah 31. So kind of the flip side, kind of what you're talking about, Eric, he feels like Ohio State's going to take control of this. That's a lot of points for Ohio State to score, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't anyway.
3: I don't think Utah's going to give up more
2: than 30 points. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I think Utah's defense is is up for this one, but hey. We'll have to wait and see. All right, we'll have more in a moment. We'll get to five minutes of, uh, talk a little sake and a whole lot more, get to some of the other topics that we have not had a chance to touch on today. We'll get to all of that next. You're listening to The Saturday Show, which is brought to you proudly presented. Our title sponsor is our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. More in a moment right here on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network, proudly presented by Mountainland Supply. Hope you all are doing great on this Saturday afternoon. A beautiful day if you just look out the windows. Man, Banner Day here in Utah, albeit cold. So uh, we've been getting you ready all day long for the Rose Bowl. Also, the Utah Jazz in action tonight against the Golden State Warriors. We're getting spoiled today, Eric. We got... Rose Bowl action, University of Utah taking on Ohio State down there in Pasadena, and then we get to watch the Jazz and the Warriors do battle. I- I'm excited. It's going to be a fun day of sports here locally.
3: Yeah, it should be fun. Always a good time when Steph Curry comes to the building. This yeah. place is going to get hopping tonight, I feel like, and – uh yeah, it should be, should be a good time. Absolutely. All right. Uh,
2: we, in this segment, typically, if we don't have a guest, we do what we like to call Five Minutes Of and talk about some of the other topics we have not had a chance to touch on today. And one of the staples in Five Minutes Of is a little mashup we like to call Saki.
4: Roll Chance to play it through for Lucas Mora. Straight race with Anderson.
1: Harry Kane! Beautifully taken by Harry Kane, who's
4: into double figures for the season in all competitions. Maybe only three in the Premier League, but there are clear signs. Of rapid improvement this
1: season for Harry Kane. Controls near the corner, now tries to pull away
0: from Barry. Wrath to the top, gives here to Hughes. Jack Hughes shooting! He's got <laughs> it! and Royale well forward here and Lucas Moura having just made the first he's just scored the second
4: what a brilliant couple of minutes for Tottenham
2: here's the Bruyne and Foden therein lies the lesson you can go close
5: against Manchester City but if you to hit the target, they will punish you. It is being checked by VAR, but Phil Foden stands to be the scorer of the opening goal on his return to the team, and Thomas Frank is
2: left pounding his desk in
5: frustration.
0: Jen Mueller, along with our great crew, Mark Giordano, who started the scoring. McCann on the doorstep, they score!
1: Lightning win that face off here to start the power play. Shot by He's gone! He See that Stamp goes, rips at home. Six seconds into the power play, Had and fed up. And before Jesterkin can move, it was Bayon in and out of the net.
2: There you go. A nice mashup from Eric You're doing a great job. Dude.
3: The Seattle Kraken are bad. I mean, they're my team. But I know, you mean, I know, but I—I I, found like I, the one highlight. In- <laughs> but I had to, you know, I had to find something that, you know, I, you know, I, I got the Spurs highlights in there okay. earlier, so I had to get at least one Kraken uh, highlight. Right. The Avalanche haven't played in what seems like a month due well, to COVID, COVID concerns. Yeah. yeah. So it's just. Not so right now in the NHL, but I, I wanted to, you know.
2: Let's start off on the hockey front. Obviously, okay. COVID's been wreaking havoc with the NHL. They paused uh, all uh, games for was it was it a week?
3: Was it ten days? About not ten days, not ten days at all. They paused from like January twenty second to the I mean 26th. December twenty second. So, December twenty, so
2: the week of Christmas, essentially. week of Christmas, okay. yeah,
3: and, it was like four days,
2: and they've obviously have now said that no NHL players are going to Beijing to participate in the Tok- not yep. Tokyo, I not mean Tokyo, the Beijing Olympics, the Winter Games. Uh, that's going to obviously, well, it made some guys very upset. It sucks. It does suck. Yes, and uh, obviously they're going to try and make up the games that have been postponed uh, during that, that three weeks they were originally planning on taking off. Uh, what? else in hockey is going on Eric besides the fact yes my Seattle Kraken are just horrendous
3: you know uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning they lost last night but they are rounding once again into form of of being a, a Stanley Cup contender but also in that division the Florida Panthers just got a big Didn't they win beat over them head to head? this week yeah the Panthers, so or? that so that that's an interesting thing to kind of track there but I, I do feel like what you're seeing right now from the Tampa Bay Lightning is they're getting into, they're they're starting to take shape a little bit, and okay. they're 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 playing some good hockey right now, so that's good. In the Western Conference, I mean, it's it's just a mess. I mean, every everybody in the Western Conference has a chance. I feel like, uh, but really, what I've learned this year is it's you know still too early to look at the standings. You know, so much can change in the NHL so quickly right now. The the standings look like they did about a month ago, but that could all change. You know, most of these teams are still in the playoff hunt if they win a few games in a row. Like it, you, even it, as long as you're not the Chicago Blackhawks, Seattle Kraken, or Arizona Coyotes, you pretty much have a a, a legitimate chance in the Western Conference right now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that all plays out, but. Uh, you know, it's a fun time to start watching hockey. Everybody's starting to play a little bit better now. Mm-hmm. There are high-scoring affairs every night. Yesterday, I watched that Devils-Oilers game. That was a lot of fun. Five to six in overtime. Six to five in overtime. It was just a a good time to watch. Been some good hockey games this week. So the NHL is is moving forward, but, you know, still, they are still postponing games. Like... It, 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 it's not good. They are the league that I'm most concerned about with the whole COVID thing because the the NBA, you have kind of these infinite rosters where yeah. you can go pillage the G League and sign guys from overseas to 10-day day contracts and, and everything like that. But in the NHL, it's a lot harder, it seems like, to fill a full roster. And, and losing all these games, it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
2: All right. Uh, on the soccer front, for a moment here, RSL still trying to find an owner. Uh, maybe that saga will.
3: I don't think that will ever end. And I point. think they'll just be ownerless forever. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's one of my least favorite storylines that I continually d- track.
2: Do you realize that MLS soccer resumes next month, like the new season? It never It's stops. January. It starts in January. It February. never stops. Players report for the 2022 season this month.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it would, you know, you hear these big soccer players in Europe uh-huh. like Lewandowski and Messi this week go off and say they hate the idea of FIFA making the World Cup every two years. And Emil, I, yeah. I mean that's for a reason like even in Europe like these soccer is a great sport to follow because it it never ends like there's only really a two-month offseason yeah and you know it's you know it's it's a lot to track but yeah I mean we'll be back to you know some MLS soccer in late February who doesn't love that crazy to me uh yeah so Soccer's on its way.
2: It's ongoing over the, overseas and whatnot, obviously. There's a lot going on. It's the January period, so the transfer window is going to open up. So you'll start hearing about absolutely insane amounts of money ch- exchanging hands to transfer players between big clubs, and that's always fun. All right, um, other things in our five minutes of here, Eric. Uh, let's talk a little bit about college basketball because we just talked about COVID affecting NHL. Well, if there's one sport, it might be affecting more than the NHL. And the NBA, I don't know. The NBA is getting hit pretty hard. But it seems like the NBA has kind of crested their wave. And I, I hate to say that because we don't know what's happening with COVID.
3: Well, they've also figured it out. Like, I mean, I was sitting at this Minnesota game last night, yeah. half of that Wolves roster, I was like, who is that guy?
2: By the way, uh, earlier I couldn't remember D'Angelo Russell. It came DeAngelo to be like in the Russell. middle in the middle of Brian Brown's interview. I'm sitting there, I'm like, Oh, D'Angelo Russell D'Angelo <laughs> Russell still
3: plays for the Timberwolves
2: yeah he I was. He, he move. he's out due to COVID issues that guy I could not remember earlier
3: it literally hit me an hour later in the middle of it. yeah ago. I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't name basically a single player on the Timberwolves roster outside of Anthony Edwards last night as a very casual Who, by the way is a really good player yeah very casual NBA fan outside of the Jazz I don't you know yeah, outside of the Jazz I, got, I don't uh, watch a ton did, but,
2: do you know that Minnesota Timberwolves actually exist by the way I got called a bozo by one last night on Twitter.
3: Wow. I was like, they do exist. Timberwolves fans. Fair album full force. You know, you know who I was most bummed I didn't get to see last night was Carl Anthony Towns. I always like watching him play. He's a hooper. He can yeah. play.
2: Uh, but yeah, the the one sport I feel like is being affected right now is just absolutely crushed is college basketball. Yep. The West Coast Conference, BYU plays in the West Coast Conference. All 17 games involving West Coast Conference teams on both the men's and women's side of the, their, their sports were canceled this weekend or postponed.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. 17 games. Yep. Utah State's game tonight was postponed San against Jose, San yeah. Jose State due to San Jose State issues in uh, with COVID protocols. Utah women's basketball had their Pac-12 opener uh Shut down this week because of issues within that program. It is, it's just a mess, and uh, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But you gotta hope. You know, it sucks to say this, but you gotta hope you get this all out of the way now, so you don't have this stuff happen in March. Well, and in some ways, I, I, I agree with you. But,
2: okay, if there's anything I've learned about this pandemic and what COVID's going to do is it's going to do what it wants. We can't control it. And I know that's that that's it, it's it's that's simplifying everything, but these sports they need to be uh, they need to be able to be adjustable to the circumstances they may find themselves in.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it, it does you know it sucks because this college basketball season has actually been pretty fun. You know, yeah. the teams at the top are a little bit unpredictable. Duke looks like they're kind of back, but. Um, if I could just add a quick point on yeah. five minutes of, I think we should do some Utah State check-in every now and then with their basketball program. Really tough loss to Air Force. Like, the kind of loss that probably guarantees that you have to win the conference if you're going to think about March y- Yes. The, the thing is, okay, and PK brought this up, and when he brought it up,
2: I had forgotten about it because it— let me be, in the interest of full disclosure, I grew up in an era where BYU-Utah were playing in the WAC in the Mountain West Conference, and they played against Air Force every year in hoops. And trust me, I have watched hundreds, of, it feels like games against the Air Force Falcons uh, in, in hoops, and you're watching it, and you're like, I am bored.
3: Yeah. Because Air I mean, Force that, plays a slow, plotting style. That game... Just quite frankly, that game just sucked it. Like, there were no—I usually—to put it in context, Uh when I cut down these Utah State games, I usually come away with about 18 highlights. Mm -hmm. I had a grand total of, like, six. I don't blame you one bit. Six Six highlights. I don't blame you one It was a tough game to, to sip through. And the thing about it is that's how Air
2: Force plays. They literally, I feel like, lull you to sleep as an opponent. I know that's a figure of speech, but they teams go there and lose games forty nine to forty seven. That's a halftime score in certain games. In the NBA, that's that's less than a halftime score. But that's That's how Air Force plays. And yes, Utah State, that was a disappointing loss because you're right, it probably does put them firmly on the outside of the bubble currently. And that's not to say if they were to go and beat San Diego State and some of these other better teams in the Mountain West Conference, they can't find themselves
3: right back on the bubble. But it was a gut-punch loss. You're going to find out very quickly what Utah State is because their next three games are insane. I was going to say... Boise State... Go to New Mexico, go to Colorado State, and Colorado State's the class of a conference.
2: They're they're considered the favorite. They're ranked number 20 in the country currently. As you mentioned, they're on the road out there in Fort Collins taking on CSU. You are Yeah, we are going to learn a lot about Utah State real quick here. Um, other teams locally in action tonight. Utah is up in Eugene, Oregon at Matthew Knight Arena. They'll be taking on the Oregon Ducks, a preseason top 25 team who has absolutely stumbled out the gate. They are 7-6, speaking of the Ducks. But Utah did lose to Oregon State earlier this week, a 2-10 team. The Utes sit at 8-5, 1-2 in the conference. Other local teams in action in WAC play. Uh, Utah Valley will be getting underway at 2 o'clock as they host Tarleton State in Orem. They lost to Abilene Christian uh, earlier this week, who is in St. George, uh, taking on Dixie State tonight at 7 o'clock. Both of those games you can stream them on ESPN+. And then in Big Sky, the funny thing is the Big Sky right now, Eric, if you want two teams that have legit possibilities, because they've been picked as such, to make the NCAA tournament, watch Weber State in Southern Utah. They were 1-2 in the preseason poll. And they've been playing well.
3: Yeah, Weber State's a really good team. They've struggled with some of the bigger teams in the state when they've yeah. had to go play them, BYU beat but, them yeah. but that's to be expected and uh they they've played really well this year and you know big sky you're always gonna you know it's always gonna be a one bid lead but yeah those two teams I feel like there's a good chance they meet up in the final.
2: There's a good chance of that, yeah, absolutely. Southern Utah hosts Northern Colorado in Cedar City tonight at seven o'clock. Weaver State continues their road trip up in Big Sky Country. They're up in Missoula taking on Montana. Uh, Weaver State ten and four, three and zero in the Big Sky. Uh, Southern Utah nine and four, three and zero in Big Sky action. So. Yeah, they're off to good starts in Big Sky play. That game against Montana looms large because Montana is 9-5. They're 2-1. They've been kind of a thorn in the side of Weber State in recent seasons, so it'll be a big contest. Both of those will also be available to stream on ESPN Plus as well. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we will round out the Saturday show before making way for Ute pregame coverage here on the Zone Sports Network. Get some of your final predictions that you've sent in on Twitter. If you have them, we'd love to hear from you guys. What are you expecting from the Rose Bowl today? Love to have you guys watch in with that and obviously any other thoughts you got you can tweet at jacob c hatch or at eric 18 utah love hearing from you guys and love your interactions with us here more in a moment this is the saturday show right here on the zone sports network
3: The Saturday show. Here are a few big ones for sports teams and members of this show in the state of Utah. For the University of Utah, win the Rose Bowl. Go get some roses in Pasadena. For BYU, get through one last year of independence before joining the Big 12. And for the Aggies of Utah State, make March Madness in basketball and beat BYU in 2022 in football while trying to repeat as champions of the Mountain West. For the Utah Jazz, get to the Western Conference Finals. And if you really want to dream big, win the whole thing. For us here at the Saturday Show... Jake Catch wants to keep tweeting about his gym exploits and continue the process of getting absolutely shredded. Hashtag hot dad. For myself, I would simply like it if I could also get shredded, but without the work of tweeting about going to the gym. I think I'd also like to find more unique ways to make fun of my co in a friendly and positive way. I want to spend 20 already starting. Rise and grind. 2022 is upon us. Happy New Year.
2: (laughs) Shredded, huh? Shredded. Okay. Get shredded. Uh, Wow. Okay, well, I can go home and now tell my wife that I apparently have a new 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 Year's resolution to add to the list. Getting shredded and also tweeting about it while I do it. You will not be tweeting about it
3: absolutely hot dad season <laughs> hot
2: dad season Eric it's good to have you back dude you make my day every time with these alright so there you go some new resolutions for the local teams and yeah for us here on the show we're gonna have some fun obviously I love doing this show people ask me all the time like Jake you work a lot I love doing this show that's why I take time on a Saturday to come up and do this show. It's it's a blast, and I have an absolute pleasure doing it. So thank you for all your support. It's a new year. 2022 is here, folks. It's crazy to think about. But nonetheless, hope you guys have had a fantastic new year, and let's make 2022 a good one. Let's get off to a right start. Uh, yeah, so a couple of things before we go here. A couple more uh, Rose Bowl predictions have been sent in. Our good friend Patrick Carr from the Standard Examiner sent this in earlier. He predicts Ohio State forty-five, Utah thirty-one. He's predicting Utah State to essentially blow the doors off of the Utah defense, and that's a, be stunning to me if that happens. I'll be I'll be frank. Uh, Kelly Bartlett weighing in here, saying Utah thirty-eight, Ohio State thirty-four. I think will be a really good game, but she has Utah a uh, winning. Uh, in narrow fashion. Uh, Zach Walker, Ohio State 35, uh, Utah twenties, has a repeat of the 2019 Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Oregon obviously trouncing Utah in that game. We'll see. Uh, I am going to go opposite opposite of Zach. I think Utah is going to win this game. I do, as I mentioned earlier on, I do think it's a one-score game. I think it's going to be close. So here's my prediction, Eric. I'm going to get yours here momentarily. I am going Utah 30, Ohio State 24. That's where I sit. Your thoughts.
3: Very close to almost identical. Okay. Utah 31, OHIO 24.
2: Okay, so you got you're just one point off in our predictions, and I think it's going to be a good one. And we're going to have some fun with it, obviously. We're going to have you pregame coverage coming up here momentarily. Scott Gerard, Hans Olsen, getting you ready for that. Obviously, we'll have postgame coverage, your calls, uh, postgame audio, Patrick Kinahan, the guys from Unrivaled, Scott Mitchell, will actually be on the call for the game. Alex Kier will be down there. They'll be sending back postgame audio. We'll carry that for you. We're going to have you covered top to bottom here on the Zone Sports Network. And then later on tonight... Just, you know, for a day night doubleheader, let's get the Jazz and the Warriors squaring off. Uh, pre coverage and that will begin at 6 o'clock, and obviously tip-off between the Jazz and the Warriors here from Vivint Arena begins at 7 o'clock, so a busy, busy day ahead here on the Saturday Show, and a big thank you to all of you for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday Show, or the pre-pre-game shows we've been calling ourselves today. A reminder for you guys that the Saturday show is proudly presented to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts to tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Once again, a happy new year to you all. Thank you for joining us here. For Eric, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM and the Zone Sports Network. See ya.